KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome back. Back to the past. Oh, I mean, welcome back to the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. years is a long time to wait, but it's been worth it, because on March 11th, Samurai Jack finally returns, and so too does voice actor Phil Lamar to make sure that Jack still was Jack. I got chills of excitement when Lamar took on the Jack voice during my interview. Gandhi Tartakovsky's Samurai Jack premiered in 2001 on Cartoon Network. The series followed Jack, a samurai flung into the future by an evil demon, and on a quest to travel back in time to defeat his nemesis, the shape-shifting master of darkness, Aku. Each show opened with this intro from Aku. Long ago in a distant land, I, Aku, the shape-shifting master of darkness, unleashed an unspeakable evil. But a foolish samurai warrior wielding a magic sword stepped forth to oppose me. Before the final blow was struck, I tore open a portal in time and flung him into the future, where my evil is law. Now the fool seeks to return to the past and undo the future that is Aku. The show had a bold visual style that reveled in both intoxicating action and meditative moments of stillness. There could be whole episodes with barely a word spoken, and it was riveting. It had a deceptive simplicity because the animation was two-dimensional and angular, but there was so much craft and care put into the composition of every frame, and so much creative innovation. Tartakovsky kept the frame in constant dynamic play. So the animation might fill the whole screen, then shift to a letterboxed frame for a Sergio Leone-style landscape, or split into three like comic book panels to emphasize the details of action. You never knew what he was going to do, and every episode seemed to deliver brand new characters for a standalone adventure. It is my duty to oppose the minions of Aku, and my mission to vanquish the very demon himself. Well then. Now that we have a chance at freedom, we should take our leave of these forsaken minds. Our pack shall continue our once nomadic life, searching for more answers to our puzzling history. I wish you the best. We certainly invite you to join us. No, I cannot. Aku's wrongs must be righted. Surely there is a way to reverse his spell. I will find a way back to my own time. There, I will finish what I started centuries ago and defeat Aku's evil before it was ever truly unleashed. The show lasted for four seasons and went off the air in September of 2004. It was a sad day for fans. Tartakovsky had previously done Dexter's Laboratory and worked on the Powerpuff Girls. And while on the tail end of the original run of Samurai Jack, he created the brilliant Star Wars Clone Wars as short interstitials, now called a micro-series, between programming on Cartoon Network. 
Clone Wars was the best thing in the Star Wars universe since the original trilogy. Each episode, done in a manga style of character design, was less than five minutes long, but it would be packed with wall-to-wall action and clever storytelling. More than any of the movies, it showed how kick-ass Jedi could be. Internal explosions all over. We are losing control. What? Tartakovsky has moved on to feature films with Hotel Transylvania, but he always seemed to long for a return to Samurai Jack to finish the story he started. When Samurai Jack went off the air in 2004, it left fans hanging in regards to the fate of their time-traveling hero. But Jack's back to launch a long-awaited season five on Adult Swim. It always seems bad at first, but then I find a way. Leave here now and live, or stay and face your destiny. Our destiny is your death! Very well. Aku destroyed everything. Gotta get back, back, back to the past. Samurai Jack, an all-new limited series, premiering Saturday, March 11th at 11 p.m. Actor Phil Lamar has come back, too, to once again voice Jack. The story picks up 50 years later, but Jack has not aged, nor has he achieved his quest to get back to the past to destroy Aku. Instead of Aku providing the show's weekly intro at the beginning of each episode, it now looks like Jack will be getting those honors. Fifty years have passed, but I do not age. Time has lost its effect on me. Yet, the suffering continues. Aku's grasp chokes the past, present, and future. Hope is lost. Gotta get back. Back to the past. Samurai Jack. The new series serves up 10 episodes telling one story, so it's a more complex narrative structure than before. It's also darker, which is why when it returns on March 11th, it'll be on Adult Swim rather than Cartoon Network. And fans will finally find out if Jack will get back to the past or not. I began my interview with Phil Lamar by getting his backstory in terms of how he got involved with the show. I got involved with the show by auditioning for the show. They were holding auditions for the part. I mean, I don't know if they auditioned for um, Aku or not, or if Gindy just knew he wanted Mako. But uh, no, there were there were a bunch of us, all different types, and I guess mine was the, the voice that uh, seemed to fit the idea that Gindy had. Do you have any idea what it was about you that might have made you appealing to them? If I knew that, I would have big houses, and I'd probably own my own island. I have no idea. I mean, in in my experience, it's simply just finding the right fit between what the voice the creator hears in his head and the voice that comes in through the speakers. Now, with Samurai Jack, he is a character who is fairly laconic and, and doesn't go off into long monologues, usually. So yeah. did you hesitate at all as a voice actor taking on a part where there was it seemed to be there was going to be not a lot of dialogue for you to play with? Well, one, I didn't know because 
you know, there was no full script, um, and the whole concept of the series wasn't laid out. Although, I think early on, we started, when we were talking about the voice, we narrowed it down to something we described as a young Asian Clint Eastwood. So I guess that should have been a clue right there that he wasn't going to talk very much. But no, that's, that's not really a, uh, an issue. I mean, it's not like that old Monty Python sketch where you, you, you know, count the, volume, the value of your uh, part by the number of words or, or worse, the number of pauses. I, I think, I'm trying to think if I had known, would it have made a difference? And I don't think so, because early on, Gendy showed me the little test animation piece he'd done as a proof of concept, and it was just incredible. You knew right away that this was going to be something special, and I don't think I would have balked at this any more than Clint Eastwood balked at playing the man with no names. Like, well, you don't have a lot of lines. Like, dude, I'm the hero. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And after you started doing the show for a while, like early on in that first season, did you feel like Samurai Jack was doing something different as a show? Oh, absolutely. The very first episode, well, although I didn't know this until we saw it, but, I mean, we had, what, nine or t- a nine or ten-minute stretch with no dialogue at all, which at the time was absolutely unheard of in American TV animation. I mean, there's silence? You know, I mean, I don't even know how he got it on the air, but as you watch, the, it fit the series, it fit the episode, and it set a tone that was really just set the show apart from anything else that was being done at the time, and to a large extent, anything that's been done since. Well, you mentioned 10 minutes of silence. Even today, that is a rarity. I mean, especially in a cartoon where it seems like maybe not the artists themselves creating it, but like the, the studios and kind of the the producers behind it sometimes seem to want it to be coming at you at this rapid-fire pace with no pauses, mm-hmm. like don't let anybody have a moment to get bored or we'll lose them. And it was so right. refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also that idea, oh, people are going to get bored. Well, people are going to get bored if you're boring. It has nothing to do with whether you're talking. Exactly. Or, you know... If you are engaging people, and this show engages people on so many levels. I mean, I've always said it's a show I feel like I can recommend to anybody. Because whoever you are, whether you're an animation person or a person who doesn't like cartoons or a person who doesn't like action, you know, there is going to be something. If you don't like action, you'll love the painted backgrounds. If you don't like the painted backgrounds, then you're going to love the robots. There is something in it for everyone. Yes. How would you describe your character of Jack? In, let's, let's start with him in the initial series. How would you describe him when we first met him? Jack is a man on a mission. Um, he's, uh, in many ways, the purest kind of hero. He's selfless. He's generous. And he's well-trained. And the big thing from a performance standpoint that Gindy always stressed was less. Things don't affect him. Good, Sir Jack. Twas truly a noble deed you have done today and an historic victory most worthy of our logs. You have saved our pack from the wrath of Echo's drones. We are forever indebted to you. Thanks are not necessary. 
in a normal normal cartoon, there would have been a lot of grunts and heaves and hoes and all that. In this cartoon, there was very little. I mean, maybe an attack yell, but not a lot of effort. And even when you know things went wrong, he would generally find his equilibrium pretty quickly and get back on track. And what was it like coming back to him now more than a decade later? It was really interesting. Obviously, I mean, well, not obviously, but for me, after a certain amount of time, a character gets absorbed into you, and it becomes a little more reflexive. You don't have to dig as hard to figure out where that character lives in you vocally, emotionally, and then to go away and come back was really interesting, especially because of how we came back. Indy didn't just go, oh, we're just going to do more episodes. It's like, no, these episodes are taking place much farther down the line. It's the same guy, but he is not in the same place. He is not in the same headspace. He's a very different person, you know, than he was before. And, I mean, my job, I thought, was to connect this new circumstance to that old hero. What, what is that guy from, you know, 15 years ago like when all of this happens to him? He's still a hero. He's still well-trained. He's still somebody who cares about others and all that. But, you know, how does it change, you know, after being stuck, unable to complete his mission for 50 years? The hero is defined by the quest. What do you do when you can't? complete your quest. Well, he seems to have a few more demons that he's fighting and not all of them external. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Aku could never defeat him. The only person who could defeat him was himself. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, that's who he's fighting. And what's the biggest challenge for you in performing as Jack or portraying Jack? Maintaining that solidness and having him deal with the things that these new episodes bring to him, but also keeping the core the same. Because that's the thing. We don't want it to be all of a sudden this like a different guy, but it is a very, very different situation. And the show itself, the way the storytelling is going is a lot different. There needed to be this character at his core as the through line. There needed to be something that people recognized and held and could hold on to. So I felt the responsibility in that way to make sure that Jack still was Jack. Well, I have to say, when I watched the premiere episode, like, I didn't feel you guys had missed a beat. I, I had to actually remember how long it's been since you had done a show. It just felt fluid, like it went from the end of the last season to this. Well, you know what's funny? Gendy's done something that it, I've only seen done once before. I worked with Paul Rubens, and he adapted his original Pee Wee Herman stage show into a new stage show. And he took the Saturday morning show and put it into the stage show in a way that it had not existed before. But people had these amazingly strong, fond memories of that Saturday morning show. So he knew when they came to the theater to see the Pee Wee Herman show, they wanted to see that. But it had, it had never existed on stage before. So what he did was he created an approximation of their memory of the show. 
And to a person, everybody who came is like, oh, my God, it's exactly as I remember it. But the truth is, if you look at pictures of the set from the stage show and the set from the TV show, completely different. But you take the elements that people latch on to, and it feels like you remember it. It doesn't feel the same. It feels like you remember it. Mm-hmm. And he's done that with this. Somehow, you come into this show, and it feels exactly like it felt when you, when you watched it before. It's not the same, because you've grown up, you've been watching, you know. But it's, it's exactly like you remember it. I mean, you do feel like there's a change in like how he mm-hmm. looks and how he behaves, but it feels perfectly organic, like this is what would have happened to him. You don't go like, oh, that's a little jarring. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. is like he's somehow able to calibrate what is going to feel different, what we can't replicate, but then you put it in the context of, well, it's 50 years later, and he's been through this. So this is why it feels that way. So you go, oh, got it. And then you just keep moving forward naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really... I hope people appreciate the degree of difficulty. I mean, you look at other reboots, and most of them, the nostalgia is what they're trading on. It's like, watch this because you used to like it. He's not doing that. He's saying, watch this because this deserves to be watched. Well, I also feel like, whereas with some other shows, you feel like you get the reboot just to cash in on something, you know, like they mm-hmm. want to cash in on the popularity. And with this, I felt like it hadn't, it never really finished on a certain level and that you guys have all been harboring this desire to go back to it and complete it. So it seems like the motivation is different and very genuine. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one, the show never did end. And it's the premise of the show has an ending built in. It's in the bloody song. (laughs) You got to get back. And with, for the show to end without resolving that in some way makes it incomplete. So, yeah, there's definitely a reason. In most shows, the premise is, this is who we are. So the first episode pretty much answers the question, oh, that's who they are. Let's keep watching. I mean, The Simpsons, there's no question. There's no ending built into that. I'm curious, too, as a voice actor, how do you actually record your tracks? Do you have to wait until the the visual image is completely done, or do they need some of your voicing before they can finish what it looks like? I mean, how's that process? Well, in American animation, you always record the voices before the animation is done, because Americans tend to care about lip sync, and you cannot sync it unless you record the dialogue first, because... If you know a character is saying, I'm going outside, you could try to approximate that, but you don't know how they're going to say it. You know, because I'm going outside takes, that's, that's different animation than I'm going outside. It just won't match. The timing won't be right. Yeah, you always, although it's funny because in the movies, whenever there's somebody doing a cartoon, they always are doing the voice to the animation, and it's given people this, this false idea of how it's done. Like, yeah, well, no, we're not Japan. We, we record the voices first. So then you are kind of like the vocal equivalent of an actor acting against a blue screen because you're not seeing what you're actually voicing or reacting to on a certain level. No. Yeah, well, you're given the script, 
and, and certainly in the case of Samurai Jack, you're given you know extensive storyboards, so you know emotionally and action-wise and contextually what's going on. Mm-hmm. The voice is really only half the acting in American animation because how you say a line can affect how the animators have the character look when they say it. And the animation really can add to whatever emotion you're trying to convey. You know, that's why a lot of the, um, the digital animation, you know, the flash or the CG stuff that are, that are less detailed, I think that's why some of them have a harder time doing, you know, on an emotional level, stuff that people were doing in the 20s with animation. You know, because you could paint and you could do subtle stuff and approximate those, those things that we see when we're watching live action. But when you get to computerized stuff, it gets flattened out and simplified. So you can't communicate as much emotional detail. Well, Samurai Jack is a really interesting show from an artistic point of view because on a certain level, the visual style looks simple in the sense that it's kind of two-dimensional and very different from kind of the CGI three-dimensional stuff that's very Mm -hmm. popular. But there's so much care and craft that goes into just like the composition of the frame, right. the complexity of what's going on. It's funny because I was just watching the premiere episode and I went back to watch a few of the older ones. And this term from film school kept popping in my head. And it's a term that I hardly ever use because few films merit it. But the notion of this mise-en-scene, right. like I kept thinking to myself, there is so much care in this cartoon as to do you use the full frame? Do you letterbox it? Do you use like comic book panels? Do you have stillness? Do you have motion? And all those things seem so carefully thought through. These guys are artists. These guys are filmmakers. And the level of collaboration I don't think is common. Most filmmakers will tell you, oh, it's all about the camera and the actor. It's like, well, what about the music? What about the light? You know, and on Samurai Jack, in some way, it all feels equal. And it is, because they're all working towards the same goal. If you watch that show without the music, it's not there. If you watch it without even the, just the sound effects, you lose. You lose something. Yeah, so it's, it's exactly what you're saying. They're using so many tools. I'm not just using a close-up to emphasize. I'm going to emphasize by cutting the screen into three and showing that same thing three times in a row. Yeah, it's, 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 that's why I say the show's a work of art. Well, I mean, you, mentioned, you call them filmmakers, and it's very much a cinematic show. It feels very, mm. like, it, you, like you could put it on a big screen, and it would still, like, it would be even better. Well, and I think that's part of the reason that Gendy tried for years to complete the story as a feature film. Mm-hmm. Because it definitely has the epic scope. But unfortunately, you know, dealing the executive mentality these days is everyone thinks you, no one will watch, kids won't watch two-dimensional animation. It's like, well, they will. 
if it's good. Well, I remember, I mean, one of the reasons I I started watching the show was I saw, uh, I think they, I don't know if they had just clips or an actual episode at Comic-Con and they had these gorgeous posters and mm. my son was into Asian action films and I remember thinking, telling him, because I think he was little, he was only like maybe seven or eight. Uh-huh. I said, oh, we should check this show out. It looks really cool. And even though there were these long stretches where there was no dialogue, and I remember there's a couple of, of episodes where there's even moments that are in almost complete black. I think there was the one where he he's fighting the three blind archers and he puts on mm. a blindfold. And for a couple moments, all you have on screen is black and slowly right. you start to hear some sounds. I remember he was like riveted because yeah. even though there's nothing on there, it's like, what's what's going to happen next? And how right. is he going to use this to outsmart them? And it was great. Mm-hmm. And I challenged kids. I loved how it challenged kids who are watching the show to think about watching cartoons in a different way. Well, I mean, that's interesting that you, that you use the word challenge. And I think a lot of people would. I, I don't know if it's challenging so much simply because... Like what you're talking about, that the episode with the archers and there's and it goes to black. He set that up in such a way that there is a reason for it. You understand it. There's no confusion, there's no boredom. It heightens the tension. And it's a challenge the way Shakespeare is a challenge. I think it's a challenge to expectations. Not that it's hard to watch, but that right. you go in watching something and the mainstream prepares you for certain things. And mm-hmm. I think what Samurai Jack does is it challenges you to say, like, just because that's the way it's done doesn't mean that that's the best way to do it. <laughs> right. Actually, that's, yes, okay, I will agree with you. I think it actually challenges other animators more than it challenges the audience. But, yes, it is uncommon in what it's expecting of you. And if you come at it with the same expectations you come to a regular cartoon, you're going to have to make an adjustment. Yes, absolutely. Now, does he talk to you at all about some of the influences he has on him? Because I noticed in the episode, it felt like the premiere episode, it felt like there was a moment of, I think it's the first one. I I got to see the first two episodes. Oh, no, I think it's the second episode. Uh, It feels very much like there's a reference to the good, the bad, and the ugly in that one place. And I'm not very musically inclined. I'm a bit tone deaf, but it felt like there was a little bit of a music cue and then a visual cue, you know, that seems to be referencing some Sergio Leone. And I don't know if he ever talks to you about kind of the things that influence him in terms of the way he's taking the story. Um, Not really, because generally we, you know, we're talking about episodes before they're done. And unfortunately, we don't usually sit down and watch them together. <laughs> but yes, you know, there's definitely a lot of spaghetti western, I mean throughout the series. That's that's a huge, mm-hmm. you know, thing for Gandhi. And I remember at the very beginning when he was talking about his concept, he said there's never a cartoon that has enough cartoons never have enough action for me. Yeah, he definitely draws from those wells, as well as Hong Kong action. I mean, you, you can see that just very apparently in the, in the way the, the, show, the show is done. 
and I think there are, you know, a lot of other influences that may be probably, you know, less apparent than that. But, yeah, no, he's, the man knows what he's doing, and what he's doing goes deep. So when you get to see the final episodes, is there an element of surprise for you when you see the whole thing finally put together? Uh, I'll let you know when I do. You see more than I have. <laughs> oh, wow. So do you think people can come in to season five cold? Like if they've never seen a Samurai Jack, can they still come in to this season and enjoy it? Or would you recommend going and, and seeing a few, at least maybe the pilot episodes? I think that this story stands on its own. If you've never seen the show before, you will not come at it with the nostalgia and the set of expectations. But what you will get then is an amazing story of a man trapped in a world and dealing with that and some kick-ass action. To me, it's a, it's a win-win. If you know the show, it's like seeing kids you grow up with blossom into something amazing. And if you've never seen it, then you're just meeting Naomi Campbell for the first time. You know, <laughs> how do you lose? And do you have some favorite, like a couple favorite episodes from the past seasons that you would recommend? Do you have like a personal favorite? Well, it's funny. I mean, I think the ones that I, that are my favorites are just because, or just that, uh, the things that I had a fun time in working with John DiMaggio on the, the first Scotsman episode, you know, that was just a blast. Excuse me. What do you expect me to do? Just stand aside. And risk falling over the side for a perfect stranger? Away and bow your head. You stand aside. My destination lies at the opposite end of the bridge. And you'll get there after you back up and I reach that end of the bridge first. That would waste too much time, and time is what I don't have. So you think you're better than me because you're in a hurry? Well, I'm in a hurry, too. But no, you didn't figure that, did you? That I might be an equal. No, you just consider yourself superior right off. You're rude. There's a, the Jump Good episode, which is one of the first season ones, is always been one of my favorites. Who are they? Other tribe. Why do you not defend what's yours? We peaceful like flower. No matter how to protect ourselves. Other tribe take food, smash home, never leave us alone! We pick up pieces, we plant somewhere else. We scared. Now, like before, we find new home. I could show you how to defend yourselves, how to protect what is yours. And we show you the jump cut! They agree. We'll learn to protect and defend. And they will show me to jump good? No. I mean, yes. And then there's the, the Mad Jack episode, where Aku creates an evil doppelganger. Who are you? Don't be such a fool. I'm you. If you are me, then who am I? Oh, you're so stupid. You are you also. Enough. You are my mirror image, yet your speech is foul with evil and disrespect. Who are you, and how have you come to be me? 
I am the son of Aku's magic. He has looked deep within you and has spawned me from your own burning hatred. I am your dark side, and I possess all the powers that you wield. And I have only one purpose in my existence. To destroy you. That one I love on a number of levels. One, just because that's a staple of the era of TV I grew up on, Evil Twins. And I think it's pretty much the most lines I had in any episode in the original <laughs> series. And you got to be both good and evil. Exactly. There's one a, a little bit sad thing about coming back to the series is we no longer have um, Mako doing the voice for Aku. Was yeah. that a, a shift for you, getting back to that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I knew several years ago that he'd passed away, and it was, it was weird because really the original series, he and I were the only constants. And it was uh, a little, well, he and I and Gendy. Um, it was weird to have one of the three of us not there, but Greg has done an amazing job. And we actually had a really cool thing happen. Um, Mako's daughter came to one of our recording sessions so, and brought um, her son, who is named after his grandfather. And they, they came and watched us record and got to see the episode and everything. And so we feel like at least their family is still part of us, and you know we're still part of their family. So it's not—he's not gone; it's just not recorded. Is there anything you can tell us about the new season or anything coming up that might further whet our appetite for the show? Uh, without spoiling spoilers, it? yeah, I don't know. Oh my God! Well, what I can tell you is there are some really big spoilers um, that I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you honestly, you don't want me to because you want to watch this unfold. It's a lot harder for Jack this time around than at any point in the previous series. It's also, in some ways, a lot better for him. And I guess that's all I can say. <laughs> well, there is a shift in the show in the sense that when it debuted, it was on Cartoon Network and definitely... Mm-hmm aimed for kids, and now when it's coming back, it's going to be on Adult Swim. So there's a little, would you say it's a little darker show? It's a little darker and definitely more mature. I was always saying that the original episodes are, you know, like us when we're kids, young and simple, concerned with one thing. You know, let's try to try to get that portal. Let's try to save this tribe. Let's try to, you know, this is 10 episodes telling one story. So it's more complex, as life is when you get older. There's more to be concerned about. There's more to think about. And, you know, more story to tell. I think it's just more mature, personally. Well, I'm glad it is. And I'm very glad to have Samurai Jack and you back again. (laughs) Uh, It's a thrill, I have to tell you. It's something that I will be looking forward to every week to watch. And I haven't had that in a while. So thank you. I know. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too. Well, thank you very much for making some time to talk about Samurai Jack. Oh, sure. sure, And thank you for, um, you know, giving us uh, a place to talk about it. Oh, certainly. Like I said, that show is so much, and it's so much art and craft 
packaged into this, you know, little time slot that it's breathtaking. It really is. And um, I really appreciate all the episodes we had before. And I'm so happy to see it come back. So I'm like, you know, a little school kid going like, yee. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, I hope you and everybody else enjoy the episodes as much as I have, because these scripts, I think, are just amazing. And some of the the best stuff I've ever gotten to work on. So, If the first two episodes are any key, I got to see the first two, and they were amazing. So I'm very oh, hopeful. And it, it, it gets better. Oh, we have to wait so long now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. Of course. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was voice actor Phil Lamar, who actually hadn't seen any of the finished episodes yet. But a fellow fan, Mike Salva and I, got to see a preview of the first episode and had to share our giddy excitement. I figured since he's an animator, he would be fun to talk to about the gorgeous style of Samurai Jack's animation. I began our geek fest by asking if Mike remembered how he had first gotten introduced to Samurai Jack. Yes, I remember I watched the original movie, which was really just the first three episodes of the show strung together. I didn't know what to expect from it, because when I heard the name Samurai Jack, I I thought it was supposed to be a joke. I thought that it was supposed to be a comedy, especially when it came from the creator of Dexter's Laboratory. But as soon as I watched it, I realized I was completely wrong. And what was it about the show that made you feel like you were watching something different? There were a lot of things about the show that made me feel like I was watching something different. The look of the show, uh, it, was, it, was very, it was very cinematic. The attention to detail, the backgrounds, the fact that the dialogue usually took a back seat to the visuals, that made a big difference. One of the things I loved about the show was the fact that they would create new characters for practically every episode. And just throw them away. Well, you are an animator. So looking at the show, on a certain level, the animation has a kind of simple look to it because it's very two-dimensional at a time when most shows are trying to do this 3D CGI animation. So as an animator, what do you see that they're doing that's kind of challenging the status quo or, or pushing the envelope in some way? I just don't think the show would work as as, as 3D uh, CGI animation. I, I think that it works the way that it does because of I mean, the way that the show is drawn, the way that the characters aren't three-dimensional. It's not like they're providing unnecessary information about the characters, information that we don't really need. I thought the perfect example of this was when the, the, the creator of... Samurai Jack was doing the Clone Wars show. Did you ever see the Clone Wars show? Yes, those were brilliant. Yes, they were. Yes, and and then right after that, they came out with a show that he was not involved with at all. It was called Star Wars Clone Wars as well, and it just looked like a bad you, you see, a bad three D video game. There was no life in the characters whatsoever. It was just a bunch of unconvincing ones and zeros walking around. Well, and also, when you watch the show, 
the way he uses the frame is fascinating because sometimes the image fills the entire screen. Sometimes he gives you this kind of letterboxed look that's this like wide screen. You feel like you're watching some Akira Kurosawa film with the action. But he uses it in this playful and very clever manner. Yeah, it, it looks like it's also very influenced by comics as well where from one panel to the next, it's not like there's a specific defined shape that they have to use for every single frame of the show. They could just they just do whatever they want with Samurai Jack. It's interesting because you mentioned that the dialogue sometimes takes a backseat to the visuals in this. And one thing the show does incredibly well is action sequences. And the way he conveys movement sometimes in the frame is just great. I mean, you feel like stuff is coming at you with incredible speed or the, you know, the battle scenes are just so well rendered. It's like it's cartoon animation that television doesn't deserve. (laughs) It should be up on the big screen. Yes. It does have this, you mentioned cinematic, and it does have this really cinematic quality. I was just going to say, one of the things that I'm, I'm excited about is the fact that Back when the show was on in you know from two thousand one to two thousand four, it was also not available in HD. It wasn't available in widescreen, and people will be able to watch this on TVs that are at least a lot larger than the ones that were common back then. Now you did get to see the two new episodes that are going to be coming out from the new season five. Yes, and as someone who was eagerly looking forward to this. Did the shows disappoint? Did they meet your expectations? They were delightful. And I don't think that any fans of the original show are going to be disappointed. Quite the opposite. I, th- I, I, think, they are, I think they are. If you were a fan of the original show, you're going to love this. They don't make it look like a completely different show. This is still supposed to be season five of the original Samurai Jack show. Yes, it has taken a darker turn compared to the previous episodes and the the story is more serialized you get to the end of one episode and you can tell that it's 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 starting to bleed into the next episode with the original show it didn't really for the most part you could take all of the episodes of the show and interchange them and it's not really going to disrupt anything This is the final season of the show, so they're working towards an end here. Now, originally the show aired on Cartoon Network, and I mean, I remember getting into it in part because I had a son who loved cartoons, and I thought, oh, he's interested in Asian action films. This sounded like something that he would enjoy. This one's airing on Adult Swim. So how do you feel about that? Does the show seem to have matured in a certain way? Yes. Uh, it's carrying a TV 14 rating now. It seems like it's going to be more at home on Adult Swim. I mean, after 13 years since the show went away, all of the kids who were fans of uh, of Samurai Jack back then, they're all grown up now. So it's okay if there's going to be some blood in the cartoon. Yet it's still a show that I think some younger audiences will appreciate with that, unless parents are a little overly protective, maybe. Well... I guess I'm not one of those parents. You know, the show went away the same year that my son was born. And I've noticed that he has seen all 52 episodes of the series. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that uh, his friends 
who, that are his age have never even heard of the show. He's been trying to turn them on to the show. He's a big fan of the show, and this is, this is something that he will love. He's 13 years old. Yes, I know. It's TV 14. Go ahead and call the social worker. I don't care. But this is the kind of thing that a 13-year-old boy would love. Yes. Well, and what I appreciate about it, too, is that it also challenges young viewers. I mean, that's one of the things I liked about the show when my son watched it when he was little is unlike a lot of kids shows that just are rapid fire with no breathing space and they're just this constant barrage of stuff coming at you. Like Samurai Jack took these quiet moments and had these you know, sections where there wasn't dialogue, where you had to watch and pay It's attention. very deliberate in its pacing. I think mm-hmm. they even made an episode or two. I think there was at least one episode where there was only one speaking part in the entire cartoon. There were a lot of episodes where they would go for minutes at a time where nobody would say anything. But at the same time, it's not a show where you can walk away from it. You do, like where kids might run to the kitchen to get Hot Pockets or something like that. If you walk away from this show, you're going to miss something. Yeah, because not everything is conveyed through dialogue. But while we're talking about dialogue, one thing that it does do well is use of sound through music and through effects. The music on that show is great. I think with the fifth season of the show, they've taken a lot, they've put a lot more care and detail into the graphics and into the sound effects, the overall ambiance of the show. I think that they put more care into this than they would have normally done if it was just another year of the show. Well, I think it's nice that they had some time. I think that the show's success and its cult popularity gave them a little bit of leverage to say, like, let's take some time and effort to make this last season look as, as good as it can. And and again, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed when they see this. Do you think people can come to this show fresh without having seen anything of Samurai Jack? Or do you recommend that they go check out a few episodes, the pilot movie? Or are there any episodes in particular that you loved that you think need to be seen before watching these? Well, I think that if um, I believe that Adult Swim has made the episodes of the show available on their website. If you make the effort to at least watch the pilot episode, you'll at least have a better idea of what is going on. And by the way, I think the the pilot episode for the time period, I think that had some of the best, I think it was one of the best looking animated episodes of any TV show ever. And they did, I mean, everything about it, the, the, the color, the character design, and especially the way that they were telling a story, once again, with very little dialogue. So that at least if you want to go back and, and look at the pilot episode, that's worth it. Another one that I really love is the Jack and the Scotsman episode. <laughs> it, it's the one where they introduce the Scotsman, who was voiced by John DiMaggio, who people will probably know as Bender, from Futurama or Jake the Dog from Adventure Time. And really, the Scotsman is the closest thing that we ever come to, you know, an ally of Jack's, a friend of Jack's. He's going through the world alone, and it's actually kind of a relief to see that he has a friend somewhere along the way, at least in a few episodes. 
I'd say we've wiped out our bounty hunter problem. For now. Aye, for now. <laughs> I was wrong about you. <laughs> I acted foolishly as well. No hard feelings, I. I'll buy you a refreshment. Please, allow me. I shall buy you a refreshment. No, no, I'll buy you one. I insist. No, I must buy you one to make amends. It's all right. So, so Jack and the Scotsman is a nice little introduction to the character of the Scotsman. I don't know if, if the Scotsman is going to show up in Season 5 or not. I hope that he does. But, you know, you can't have everything. I know that it's a great relief to have the show back and have it to be in such top form. It, the, watching that first episode, I have to say, I was like absolutely giddy and was going like, this is everything I was hoping it was going to be and more. Yes. yes, because sometimes when they come back to something after a long time and you just think, OK, they waited too long. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not. I think a good example of this was about a year or so ago when Cartoon Network decided to revisit the Powerpuff Girls. For anybody who's seen the show, who loved the original show, you'll know that it was awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that any of the original people who were involved with the, with the original show were involved with this one, and they just absolutely ruined it. They absolutely kingdom of the crystal skulled it. <laughs> So if you had to describe kind of how this looks to kind of entice people to go see it if they haven't, how would you describe the, the visual style of Samurai Jack? What does he look like? Rather simple in his design. I, I, the, the, the design of the show and the design of the character seems on the surface very simple. But I think that every, everything else that comes with the character is is what you really feel. And I know that's a terrible way to describe the visual aspect of the show. I'm sorry. As an animator, you know how much work goes into putting together animation, even if it looks simple to the casual observer. So these have, like, very elaborate kind of backgrounds. And even though it may be very two-dimensional looking, it conveys, like, a lot of movement and visual interest within the frame. But yeah, the, the backgrounds especially uh, contribute to the overall feel of the show, and both on the original series as well as season five, it looks like more care has been put into the backgrounds than anything else that we've seen on television and can rival the backgrounds in a lot of movies. There is such cleverness and artistry to the composition of, like, every shot that I was, like, lifting my jaw off the ground repeatedly going, like, this is amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the episode of Samurai versus Ninja, but there's this, there's this black ninja. I mean, he's, his, the character is just totally black. He just has some red eyes on him, and he's, this, he, he's the master of stealth, and he, you know, and he moves in the shadows, so that's how that's how he's able to hide, and that's how he he's 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 sent to kill Jack by hiding in the shadows, and so Jack um, 
decides that he can't, he can't fight him on his level, so Jack decides to hide in the light. Shinobi, warrior of the night. Trained to use the darkness of the shadow. I know your arts as well. But I have been trained to use the light. And so it, it breaks off into this sequence where the two characters are just in these black and white scenes where the ninja hides in the shadows and, uh, and Jack hides in all of the white scene in all of the white parts of the scene and it's it's just delightful to watch well i want to thank you for taking some time to talk about samurai jack you have some of your own animation projects what are you currently working on well i have a, uh, one that i'm just finishing up that i'm going to be putting online in a couple of weeks called working for copper jim there's a handful of five minute shorts that are about guys in prison. So this view of prison is a little different from what you might expect. And one of the episodes I really enjoyed was called The Escape Club. So tell me a little bit about that one, and we'll hear a little clip from it. Yeah, the, ca- the characters who are in prison are not like you would expect, say, from an episode of Oz or something like that. You'll actually wonder what all of these guys are doing in prison for the most part, except when they well, except when they occasionally stab somebody or talk about the horrible crimes that they've committed. But for the most part, they're nice guys. And this particular episode, uh, the new guy finds out about something that they have called the Escape Club, where he believes is where they plan to escape from prison, but then he discovers that it's actually just a book club. All right, let's hear a little bit from that show. The Escape Club isn't about escaping from prison. It's about escaping the daily monotony of this humdrum life through the magic of literature. Hey, because sometimes you got to get out of here mm-hmm. and get into here. Ooh. And that's a good thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That's a good thing. That is great, Martha. So what did everyone think of the bridges of Madison County? Uh, <laughs> uh, what'd you think? Ooh. Come on, Martha. Man, you know I ain't got no time to read. I got some empire to build. I got people doing my reading for me. Okay. <laughs> Frank? Oh, sorry. Man, I don't know how to read. I think that's why I killed all those librarians. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for speaking to me about Samurai Jack and sharing our geeky fandom for the show. Thanks for having me. That was animator Mike Salva. You can get more information on his new micro-series by going to the Facebook page for Working for Copper Jim. Thanks for listening to another episode of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. Coming up will be a podcast about the legacy of Casablanca, something from the archives on David Lynch before the new Twin Peaks show comes on, and a report from the TCM Film Festival and Star Wars Celebration in April. But the most important thing this weekend is to make sure you tune in for the new Samurai Jack Season 5 show. So, till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.
KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.